0: Hey friends, Rachel here. Jumping in real quick to talk to you again about the She Reads Truth subscription box.
1: Amanda and I believe that reading God's Word daily is what helps you to grow in your confidence and your understanding of the Bible. That's why our mission is to help you become a man or woman in the Word of God every day. The She Reads Truth subscription box is the best way to do that. It gives you everything you need to make reading your Bible every day a reality. You'll get every new study book as it releases delivered straight to your door every month, so you never have to plan what to read next or remember to order. All you have to do is go to shereadstruth.com slash subscribe to sign up and make this year the year you go deeper into God's Word than you ever have before. Again, that's shereadstruth.com slash subscribe. Hello and welcome to the She Reads Truth Podcast, where we open our Bibles and talk about the beauty, goodness, and truth we find there. I'm your host, Amanda Bible-Williams, and I'm joined today by Vanitha Reisner. Vanitha is the author of Walking Through Fire, a memoir of loss and redemption, where Vanitha tells the story of the crazy amount of suffering that she's endured in her life and the way that Jesus has met her in it and is still meeting her in it. Vanitha was... The right person to have on for this episode, and you'll hear us talk about that. But there is so much talk in these chapters in the Gospel of John. You know, we're in week four of our series in the Gospel of John, and there's so much talk about sorrow and suffering and the trouble that we'll experience in this world. And the disciples were experiencing and about to experience that trouble for themselves because Jesus was walking to the cross. The disciples didn't know that. But Jesus knew that. And so they were about to experience great fear and suffering and trial. And Jesus is telling them who he is and who the Holy Spirit is and giving his promise of the Holy Spirit. And You guys, you're going to be so encouraged just hearing Vanitha and her experience with these chapters, and we're just going to kind of dig into a little bit of what we'll be reading this week as you get started on your weekly reading. So let's get right to this episode with Vanitha Reisner. Vanitha, welcome to the podcast. This is such a long time coming. We're so glad you're here. Thank you. I am so excited about this. I can't
0: even tell you. So this is going to be great. Thank you for having me.
1: Oh, you're welcome. Well, here's what I one of the many, many things I love about doing the podcast. I love how the Lord is sovereign even over the podcast schedule. <laughs> like even like down to the times we record and the people that we get to speak with for each given week of the reading plan that we're in. And as I was you know reading about you and you know I I've known of you for quite a while but this is the first time we've gotten to speak face to face which is exciting but as I was kind of connecting the dots between your ministry and the work that you do and these specific chapters of John I just thought how kind of the lord to to arrange for for us to get to have this conversation together and for you specifically to be on the other end of this call and this conversation. So thank you. Thank you for being here.
0: Well, it was so wild when I found out the passages. I was like, Lord, this is like unbelievable because I love the Bible, but there's certain parts that I really go back to and we get to talk about some of those. So that was like a huge gift to me.
1: I'm so glad. So which section of John specifically is it that kind of, um, as you were saying earlier, that it really overlaps with some specific chapters that are just really, have been really meaningful to you in your life?
0: Yeah. Well, it starts with, my testimony starts with John 9, which I know you talked about last week, but... Yeah. So the disciples said to Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind. And Jesus says it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the work of God could be displayed in his life.
1: Yes. And that was
0: the verse that I read when I was wondering what purpose God had for my life. And I'm, I'm disabled, actually. I had polio as a child and was very angry at God and opened the Bible to that passage. And that was the passage that sort of led me to Christ Just with me and God reading the Bible, but I read for four chapters that day. So I opened with John 9 and I closed with John 12, the end of, I read all the way to the end of 12. And those words, all of them, I I can tell you different places where I felt like the Lord was just speaking to me. Yeah. And it was this wild experience. And so I just love to talk about those passages because those are the first times I heard the voice of God.
1: Oh, and through his word. And yeah. you, we were just sharing, you know, that even though this is the first converse, real conversation, we've had email conversations and those type of conversations, but conversations with voices that we've ever had. And you were saying that, that, you know, expressing your love for, for scripture and, yeah, I love that, that that is how the Lord captured your heart, was through His Word. And it's true. It's true. We say, you know, we point to that verse in Timothy, you know, that the Word is living and active, but it's true. Is that Timothy? That's Hebrews. Yeah, no. Oh, 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 Hebrews is, yeah, word is living and active. It's Um, Hebrews and then the other. You know what, guys? Sometimes you get them interchanged in your minds. But the important part is (laughs) that we know that God's word says that it's living and active. And I love that your life is even a testimony to that. So that's so beautiful. Well, I know that I, I hope that we'll get to learn more about you as we continue our conversation about these chapters in the book of John. We're in week four of five. So we're we're doing a five-week series on the gospel of John, and this is week four. And so like you just said, Vanita, we're starting, we're kind of in the middle of John, Chapter 12 is where we will start. If you are listening to this episode on the day that it releases, you will be, your reading for today will start in John 12, 37, and we're going to go through, I think, 16 this week. And you guys, I say it every week, but every week it's true. And especially in the Gospel of John, these passages are so rich and I'm excited for you that you get to read these passages this week. And so I encourage you, I know these five-week studies can feel long, just keep going, keep reading. It's so, so beautiful. Last week, Vanita, we had a mutual friend on the podcast, Ann Voskamp. She's amazing. <laughs> she <laughs> is sure amazing. amazing. And so, so first of all, that meant that we got to hear and read scripture, which is a treat in its own uh, in its own right. But we talked, you know, about how there's just this momentum that's building, and when when Lazarus is raised from the dead, that's kind of like the turning point. It's kind of go time, right? Like they've already been on like the Jews have already been after Jesus, but that is the point at which they are just no holds barred. They're like, we're, we're after this guy. And he starts having, well, he continues to be really strategic about where and when he is, but he starts to sort of let that guard down a little bit because he says, we have that line where he says, you know, the time has come Mm -hmm. for the son of man to be glorified. Uh, And so we're walking toward the cross so all of these things that we're reading today in this week, um, Jesus is taking very intentional steps to His death Yes, for us. Yes. Yeah, it's interesting because I do
0: think that what happens in John 11 with raising of Lazarus, there is so much about the glory of God, which John is so much about that. And this passage that we start with today is about that as well. And I think... Those are sort of the life changing pieces for John. Is if I had to talk about the book of John, it is about what it means to see the glory of God and live that. Which yes, John talks about his glory all the way through.
1: That's the book. right, that's right. Makes it very clear that Jesus is who he says he is, that he mm-hmm. is the Son of God. Yes, and we've been pointing out as we read the seven I am statements that Jesus makes through the book of John that declare his deity, that declare that he is the divine son of God. And so we'll get some more of those this week. Actually, the rest of those we get this week. But let's start reading. We're in John chapter 12, and we start in verse 37. And we have this really interesting piece here where we are seeing fulfillment, and John is calling out Fulfillment of prophecy. Um, Vanita, would you are you game to read for us some today? We love yes. it when our guests read scripture, it's so sweet to hear our friends reading scripture. Let's start in 37. And I mean, maybe we just do that full section right there 37 through 43. Great, okay. Even though he had performed so many signs in their
0: presence, they did not believe in him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet, who said, Lord, who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? This is why they were unable to believe, because Isaiah also said, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, so that they would not see with their eyes or understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory. And spoke about Him. Nevertheless, many did believe in Him, even among the rulers. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess Him, so that they would not be banned from the synagogue. For they loved human praise more than praise from
1: God. Oof, I mean, that last verse, mm-hmm. we're not gonna, but we could camp out there for, oh, I don't know, the rest of the episode. <laughs> yes. That
0: actually, Amanda, was the verse that I remember reading thinking, okay, really? God knows me. That was it, yeah, that verse. Yeah, yeah. 43, because there was a purpose to my suffering and my pain as I read John 9, but this sense of being known was— John yeah. twelve forty three because yeah. I have lived as a pleaser. I still tr- struggle with that, but that was something I knew. I was in high school, and I realized yeah. I care so much about what everyone else thinks.
1: Oh, and doesn't every, I mean, I would, I don't know if it's fair to say every high schooler, but I think for sure we all go through that season. And even as adults, I mean, I remember telling my daughter recently, because she's 14, like, you know, I wish I could say that this struggle that you're expressing right now goes away. But I'm an adult and I struggle with this. And so, you know, the sooner we start to understand what you just said that that God knows us and still and still loves and calls and draws us to him. You know, I don't even know that it's right to say the easier it will be, but the more perspective we will have right. of yeah of who we really are.
0: Right. And I, I mean, it's neat because every time I read that verse, it's an opportunity to remember that I'm known. and to know that I can just confess that. I don't have to carry it. You know, I think mm-hmm. sometimes we think, oh, this is who I am, I'm a pleaser. But I think it's an opportunity also to say, okay, God, help me to praise yes. you and care about your praise. Yes. more than people's. And so yeah. it's just this neat thing. It's not condemnation. It's I'm known and I can confess this that's and God right. can change me. And that's the beautiful part about scripture, I think, is we see ourselves and then we see that God is in us even in the midst of that. And he's using it and we can confess our sin. I mean, there's just there's not a condemnation right. when we read it.
1: But, uh, Praise the Lord. Yeah. Opening our eyes at the beginning here about Isaiah's prophecies mm-hmm. being fulfilled. It's so interesting because, you know, Isaiah is an old testament prophet and the old testament is it feels like it's like a record on repeat, you know, that of God revealing himself and um his people turning away and turning back and turning away again and turning back again. <laughs> it's just this back and forth. And this connection that John is drawing that like that's what's happening. As Jesus was walking the earth, there were people who were seeing his signs and wonders and still not believing.
0: Right, right. It's crazy that we—I think we read the Bible and we think, how could they not have seen it? But they didn't because, you know, God blinded some of their eyes. But we see that in the Old Testament. I think every time I read the Bible, I'm like, can't they see what they're doing but we're the same way. I think we yeah. don't see what we're doing. But I love, yeah, I love this reference to Isaiah. Isaiah is probably my favorite Old Testament book. Yeah, it's so it's beautiful, just really neat to see. Um, yeah, yeah, the way John quotes him. But I love the the line that I actually love the most out of what he says is Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke about yeah. him. That's verse forty one. Because John is so about God's glory, John is seeing wow. Isaiah saw God's glory, and it was seeing God's glory that changed everything. That is why he's even telling us this stuff, and that's why John's telling us this stuff is we have seen His glory. Right. And so I love that sort of connection with Isaiah. Um, oh yeah. And I just wanted to say one quick thing because I always used to be like, "What does that mean, seeing God's glory?" I have yes. Oh, that's such that. a good question. Yeah, and I remember thinking that. Just I don't know what that means. And then I heard someone say it is the visible manifestation of God's invisible qualities, which is basically we get to see the invisible qualities of God. When we see the glory of God, when it says that, it's we get to see the invisible qualities of God. And so we get to see who God is. And so I love that because you see that in Exodus, you know, when Moses says, "Show me your glory,"
1: yes, and it's I love the that.
0: qualities mm-hmm. of God that that get spoken. You know, He's merciful, He's kind. And so I always like to say that because I would say for years of being Christian, I had no idea what it meant when people said He saw the glory of God. Yeah. It's like seeing God, God's invisible qualities before us.
1: Yes, and that's what Jesus. Gave us in yes. in dwelling with us on earth. Jesus gave, you know, he says over and over again in this book of John that we're reading, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I am the son reveals the Father. Yes. And so in Jesus, we see God's glory and we'll also see him glorified. We'll see him when he's crucified and and resurrected. I love this verse in uh, in 42 where it says that, nevertheless, many did believe in him, even among the rulers, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him so that they would not be banned from the synagogue. You know, I don't want to read too much into that, but I do think that there is a distinction to be made between believing and confessing. Mm -hmm. That true faith in Jesus does not stop at belief, because you know we have that verse, and I can't remember where it is at the moment. We'll put it in the show notes, but that even the demons believe. Oh, James, yeah, right, like that. Uh They James, thank you. Yeah, that they have the knowledge. Like I believe Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. Jesus is the Son of God. But I'm not going to confess Him as Savior and Lord. Um, and so I think that's an interesting and convicting mm. distinction that, yes, I do confess Jesus as Lord and Savior, but do I do that in all of my words and actions? Like, is that a thing that is consistent? And, and two, to really follow Jesus or to believe in Jesus is to follow Jesus.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And to speak about
1: Jesus, because so many right. people
0: are like, "Yeah, I, I, you know, I have my own personal relationship with Jesus, but it's so private. I don't talk about it." It's like if you really love
1: Jesus, you do talk about it. That's right. That's right. It's uh, we have said in the past. I think it was actually Rachel um, who said that, you know, the Christian life is personal, but it's not private. Mm-hmm. You yes. know that it's per it's very personal. It's intimately personal. But it's not private. I mean, even just the way that, you know, Jesus establishes the church, you know, we just read Acts recently as a community. Like, there's nothing private (laughs) about that, but, you know, that it's, we are in community as the body of Christ. And yeah, that's such a good distinction. You know, we get more Isaiah in this day because as Mm -hmm. we're reading through books of the Bible here at She Reads Truth, we always curate our daily readings to, if we're reading through a book of the Bible, it'll include passages from that book, obviously, but then also we'll pull in passages from throughout scripture. And so we get this passage from Isaiah 53. I'm just going to read a bit of it because it's, since we're reading John, it just, it really enhances in my mind the understanding of this, this passage. But this is Isaiah 53 starting in verse one. Who has believed what we have heard and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He didn't have an impressive form or majesty that we should look at him. No appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of suffering who knew what sickness was. He was like someone people turned away from. He was despised and we didn't value him. Yet he himself bore our sicknesses and he carried our pains, but we in turn regarded him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted, but he was pierced because of our rebellion. Maybe I will read all of it, Because, but he was pierced because of our rebellion, crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him and we are healed by his wounds. We all went astray like sheep. We all have turned to our own way. And the Lord has punished him for the iniquity of us all. Man, this, a man of suffering who knew what sickness was. You know, Mm -hmm. just last week, we read the story of Lazarus and Mary and Martha and how Jesus wept seeing his friend, seeing the death of his friend, even knowing what he was about to do. Mm Mm-hmm but he was a a man of suffering who knew what sickness was. So good. Okay, we need to talk about foot washing. Mm, Yes. (laughs) It had been a while since I had read this specific passage. It's really stunning. Mm, Um, This is is the kind of story, Vanitha, to me, that I can get a little bit desensitized to and forget how wild and radical this is. I think, let, let's read it. I, mean, I know that we a lot of us may be familiar with the story. But would you read for us in John 13, maybe 1 through 11? Okay. Before
0: the Passover festival, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. I love that verse so much. I know. He loved
1: them to the end. To the end. Now, when it was time
0: for supper, the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, to betray him. Jesus knew that the Father had given everything into his hands, that he had come from God, that he was going back to God. So he got up from supper, laid aside his outer clothing, took a towel, and tied it around himself. Next, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to dry them with the towel tied around him. He came to Simon Peter, who asked him, "'Lord, are you going to wash my feet?' Jesus answered him, "'What I am doing you don't realize now, but afterward you will understand.' "'You will never wash my feet,' Peter said. Jesus replied, "'If I don't wash you, you have no part in me.' Simon Peter said to him, "'Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head.' When he was bathed, Jesus told him, doesn't need to wash anything except his feet, but he is completely clean. You are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray
1: him. That is why he said, not all of you are clean. So this, it's important to know, right, that this act of washing feet wasn't an unusual thing, Mm -hmm. but what was unusual was the person who was doing it because normally it would be whoever was lowest on the totem pole in the household, right? Like the lowest servant because their feet, you know, this is a time when they're wearing sandals and dirt roads. And so the feet would get dirty and dusty. And so it wasn't that they, that feet were being washed. That was radical. It was that the rabbi Jesus, Mm -hmm. you know, the one that they're following that he's the one who did this.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: It is. It's incredible.
0: And it's incredible because it says right at the beginning that Judas was gonna betray
1: him and, yes. and Jesus is washing
0: his feet.
1: Right. He didn't leave Judas out. Like he mm-hmm. washed his feet. And so what you have, you know, if you think about this in in like modern day terms, I mean you have this you have a leader who is literally stooping to serve those that he leads and not just to to serve in like an unseen quiet way behind the scenes but in like a really like a way that you could classify as humiliating yeah because it's it's so humbling yeah but that's the God of the universe, (laughs) in human form, washing dirty feet. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's such a perfect picture of what it means to to love and to be a servant leader, whereas we can think about those words, but if we actually picture Jesus washing people's feet, Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. pretty incredible. I mean, it's like we don't wash... People speak, but it's like somebody amazing going into your house and saying, oh, "I'll just go ahead and scrub those toilets." You know, you're like, oh, "No, don't even go into my bathroom." You know, absolutely, yeah, no, I mm-hmm. something that needs to be done that we all think, oh, "I don't know who's going to do that," but it's it really shouldn't be me. And yet, yeah. yeah, Jesus chooses the most lowly job.
1: Yeah, and he says to them he knows you know at this point we're we're getting used to <laughs> how i love how john will call out in these scenarios they where they just whoever the audience whether it's the disciples or the pharisees or whatever they just miss the point which a lot of you know people did and we don't roll our eyes at that because that's us we <laughs> missed the point <laughs> but he says to them do you know what i just did like mm-hmm. i'm paraphrasing but do you know what this is and he says, you call, this is verse 13, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are speaking rightly since that's what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done for you. Truly, I tell you, a servant is not greater than his master, and a messenger is not greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. This is the kind of thing that sets Christianity apart. Yeah. And this is the way that we should act not just toward one another, but you know, Jesus washing Judas's feet. We should we should act this way even toward those who don't share our same values right. and, and and are even, outside yeah. of the church family. Yeah. Yeah,
0: even those people that even if they they don't even share our values, they're hostile towards
1: us, they hate That's us. right. Okay, friends, I know it seems like Christmas was just here yesterday, but the season of Lent is already upon us, and we are thrilled to present to you our 2022 Lenten reading plan. It's called Come to Life, a Lenten study of Ezekiel. We're going to open up this study together and move toward the cross with the prophet Ezekiel as our guide. We're going to lament over our sin, but we're also going to rejoice in the good news of the empty tomb and our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. So I hope that you will join us as we prepare to arrive at Resurrection Sunday with a renewed understanding of the gospel of Jesus. Head to ShopSheReadsTruth.com to order your Lent study book today. That's ShopSheReadsTruth.com. And I would love to back up if I can just for one second for for something that
0: I love. And it was actually at the beginning of John 13 when it says that the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas to betray him. (sighs) And there are a few things that I just struck by when I read that. One is that God knows Satan's plans. Like, God knows Satan's plans, but Satan doesn't know that God will use them for good. Like, so Satan is trying to destroy, always. And mm -hmm. and the thing that he thought would bring the most destruction ever— That's right, killing the Son of God. Yes, brought the greatest good the world has ever known. And so it just made me think, Jesus knew Satan. Satan, I mean, uh, Satan was doing this and that Judas was doing it, and yet Jesus chose to love Judas. And just, Mm -hmm. that was so convicting to me, but also just this thought that God knows Satan's plans. Like, I don't need to be afraid of Satan's Mm -hmm. plans because God is going to use them for my good Mm -hmm. anyway. Like, just, it was just such a beautiful illustration for that. And when I read it again, I just thought, oh, that's such a great picture that
1: God knew all this before So we have a reading plan that's coming up right after John, and it's called Do Not Fear. Mm-hmm. And we're going to study you know, that command that is just throughout Scripture, some version of the command, Do Not Fear. And what I think that, you know, spoiler alert, something that we're going to explore is that you know, it's not that there aren't scary things or circumstances or whatever. Like What, what Jesus was walking into was awful like and he and he asks the lord he's like can you take this cup from me like do i have to drink this and he know even knowing the answer that the answer was yes but we see the anguish in the garden of gethsemane and we see that this that he is willingly walking into and so it's not that there aren't things that are frightening or difficult and not to minimize suffering at all but it's the the difference is who God is mm-hmm. to us in our suffering. And that and so, yes, this that, you know, we don't have to fear the plans of the devil. It doesn't mean that, you know, even that, that that we have an enemy who prowls around seeking to devour us, scripture tells us. That's terrifying. And the only reason that we as believers can hold our heads up and get up out of bed in the morning and walk forward with purpose is that we know that even the devil ultimately has lost the battle. He's still mad and he's still putting up a fight, right? But that victory was won when Jesus walked out of the grave. Yes. So yeah, I think that's that's such an interesting conversation to me, this tension that we hold as believers that like... Hang in there guys, don't fear. It's like, no, this is actually really scary, but here's how we can rest in the character of God in the midst of these scary things. So, tune in for that in a couple of weeks friends because it's, I think it's I am so excited about it and it's really impacted our team as they've done the work on that reading plan. So, I hope you'll plan to join us for that. Okay, so Jesus has just washed his disciples' mm-hmm. feet. And he's starting to talk more about going away and being mm. glorified, and um, he's kind of giving them some, some final instructions. And so Vanha, there in, in verses 33. Mm. Would you read that a little bit for us, 33 through35?: Yes. I think this is so interesting in light of what he has just done. -hmm
0: Yes.: Little children, I am with you a little while longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so now I tell you. Where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new command, love one another, just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. I love that, honestly, because the biggest prayer request I've had when people are asking me is, Show me I want God to help me to love because I realize Amanda this last few months particularly I love like the tax collectors that Jesus talked about I love the people who love me like yeah. that's that's you know and if people don't love me I don't really honestly love them and yet Jesus is showing them by washing Judas's feet like I love people who hate me I love people who are going to betray me This is what love looks like, and this is how people are going to see the gospel. And I see, if I look at my own heart, Amanda, I don't think people see the gospel in the way that I love because I love so selfishly.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we all do, you know. And and there is, you know, this is another one of those conversations that you know we have so many. I'm sure um, women listening who have been in situations where. They have been harmed, you know, mm-hmm. or emotionally, physically. And, you know, what does it mean to love your enemies when that that is such a reality in your mm-hmm. life and someone who is bringing harm? But I think that, you know, even in that situation, what we know and what Jesus shows us is that, you know, love first is a posture of the heart. You know that posture of humility that he took and to to serve, and so we you know this doesn't mean that we don't set boundaries and that we allow someone to to treat us in a way that is contrary to to scripture that mm-hmm. that we allow someone to treat us. In ways that violate that we are image bearers you yes. know who yes. um, who are loved by the actual king of the universe, but what it does mean is that even in that what you just said that even when we are not loved in return that that's not the command the command isn't love when you are loved in return it is love as I have loved you, love as Jesus has loved us and we know from elsewhere in scripture that it's even called out like here it was called out by example of him washing Judas's feet um, and we also see in his in his words that he even by his words he's holding Judas accountable for what he's about to do mm-hmm. like what you're gonna do do it quickly like I know mm-hmm. and I see like God is aware. So, so he's showing us by example in this passage, and then we know elsewhere in Scripture, you know Jesus says in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, like, pray for those who persecute you, love your enemies. Is that in the Sermon on the Mount? I feel like it yeah, is it, yeah, um absolutely. love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. And so this is you know again, it is an impossible task, and we're going to get to that in just a minute about the Holy Spirit. <laughs> yes, <laughs> who is our only hope for the impossible tasks? Amen. Yeah, yeah. But goodness, and this is how everyone will know that you're my disciples. Not that you're powerful, mm-hmm. not that you're in charge, not that you have all the answers or never mess up or never have to apologize <laughs> or that you're successful. Like none of those things. Yes. The way that people will know that you are my disciples is that you love one another. Right. Well, when you said um, foot washing, kind of love. Yes, it
0: it just makes me laugh when you say "never mess up" because I love this account. The thread of Peter throughout it, like Uh Peter is uh like I totally identify with Peter. He's like first, like don't wash my feet, then he's like, well, wash everything, and then he's like, I I will never deny you. Like Peter is like all out there, and we just see his stuff all the time, which I really appreciate. And so it's not like that you're strong or that you don't make mistakes; it's that you love.
1: Mm -hmm. That's right. I also love the this part in John 14 if we go to the Wednesday reading of this week where Thomas um there's a little bit where Thomas is called out and we can hear is a little bit of a foreshadowing of what Thomas will say after mm-hmm. Jesus is crucified mm-hmm. and resurrected but listen to this in John 14 this is starting in verse 1 and just I I love this passage. Just I don't know if Rachel is not here to tell you to close your eyes if you're not driving a car, but so I will tell you <laughs> that, friends, if you're listening and you're not driving or somewhere where closing your eyes would be a bad idea, close your eyes and listen to these words. First one, don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? If I am going away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, so that where I am, you may be also. You know the way to where I'm going. Lord, Thomas said, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will also know my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And then immediately after, Lord, said (laughs) Philip, show us the Father, and that's enough for us. And it's like, were you not just listening? (laughs) You have known me, ergo, you have known the Father. But I love this, this don't let your heart be troubled. Mm -hmm. Oh, Yeah, yeah. And it honestly, I mean, beneath it, it made me... This was one of those passages I was reading and knowing that I was going to get to speak with you mm-hmm. um, about these passages. It's this, I mean, have there been times in your life and in your experience with suffering where your heart is troubled yes. and you have to recall Jesus's words, don't let your heart be troubled.
0: Yeah. There's like, so how do, much I do in that John 14 yeah. about mm-hmm. that that has spoken to me, honestly, in really dark days. And this is definitely one of them that Jesus is saying. Um, and the reason that we don't let our hearts be troubled is not because it will be okay, meaning like what we are imagining is not going to happen, because it may or may not. That's right.
1: And we want to say that. like As your friend, I would want to say to you on your dark day, it's going to be okay. Yeah. And there's a sense in which that's true, but that's also, that's not the thing that gives me the comfort here is, is another, tie, it's on another level.
0: Right, right. Mm-hmm. And I love that, you know, the reason that you shouldn't be troubled is believe in God, believe also in me. And then I love this whole place where, where He says, I will come again and take you to myself. So where I am, you may be also. And I love that because some of our suffering is not going to end. On this earth. I mean, I have a friend with ALS. She's dying. Like, her life is going to end with a hard, probably pretty hard. Right. And yet, this, I will take you to myself. Like, I've been even talking to her about this passage that Mm. Jesus, you will not have one minute without Jesus. He will come get you. Like, there's not this limbo time where it's like, okay, what am I going to do? It's like, Mm -hmm. Jesus will never leave you. There will be not one second. You will know him here, and he will come take you to where you're going.
1: Yes. And that
0: is the comfort of why our hearts should not be troubled, is because of that. It's not because, hey, it's going to get better tomorrow, which it might. We're all in the middle of our stories. So our story may have this amazing, wonderful chapter that's just about to start. And that's great. But it may be that the chapters keep getting harder, but the real story starts when he comes and prepares the place for us. That's That's when the real story starts.
1: Yeah, that's right. In this verse 18 of the same chapter, I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. And that's Mm -hmm. what you're telling your friend. Yes. You're not, I mean, an orphan is defined by being left alone, right? And I am not leaving you alone. Yes. I am coming to you.
0: Yes. And I, I love right before that too. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him, but you you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. And I would Spirit, say that, the counselor. Yes. Yeah. The three prepositions that I think have gotten me through suffering. There's three prepositions. One is God is for you. And and that's not in this mm. passage, but we see yeah. that Psalm fifty-six. This oh, I yeah. know that God is for me. And the second two are God is with you and God is in you. That is what gets me through suffering is God is with me. He's never going to leave me. And God is in me. Like, He really won't leave me. He's going to direct me. He's going to guide me. And I think those are the things that I cling to when life is falling apart, like remembering those things.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's so good, Vanita. And I love this phrase just kind of right after the— I will not leave you as orphans. I'm coming to you. Fast forward a few verses in verse 23. It says, well, Jesus is answering a question, so I'll read the question too. In verse 22, Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but the other Judas, said to him, Lord, how is it you're going to reveal yourself to us and not to the world. Jesus answered, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. I love that. My Father will love him, and we,
0: hmm.
1: there's some Trinity happening right there, right? And we hmm. will come to him and make our home with him. Jesus has made his home with us. That is the most... um just, I want to say nonsensical. I don't know if that's the right word. It just doesn't make any sense yeah. that Creator God, the Almighty. You know, all the Omnis apply to Him, right? Omnipresent, mm-hmm. omniscient, all powerful. Wait, let's see. Yes, yeah, <laughs> all powerful, omnipotent. There's the word. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, all of those apply to Him, and yet that same God, without without compromising any of His Omnis, <laughs> He makes himself low to be where we are and to sacrifice himself and then to conquer the grave. And then doesn't stop there. It's like, but wait, there's more. And then sends his spirit to dwell in us and make his home with us. God is tabernacled in us mm-hmm. through the Holy Spirit. And that is only our God Only Jesus. Yeah. In verse Unfathomable. Yeah. It is. It is unfathomable. That's Mm -hmm. better. That's a better word than nonsensical, because nonsensical sounds a little like, you know, that sounds negative. Unfathomable (laughs) sounds better. Verse 25, I, this is Jesus, I have spoken these things to you while I remain with you. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all these things and remind you of everything I've told you. I love that so much because I'm so forgetful. I mean, legitimately don't have a great memory, but then also spiritually forgetful. <laughs> and that God will send the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus to remind us of all these things. Yes.
0: That's such a gift that God helps us remember, you know, because yeah. I think that's what God wants us to keeps wanting us to do, as you see through the Old Testament. He keeps reminding us of His faithfulness. And I think that's this huge gift of the Spirit. Because just like you, I don't have a good memory for either thing either, what's my own <laughs> life and you know, what I ate for breakfast, as well as like, right. what has God done?
1: And it's neat that the Spirit does remind us of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you, Lord, for that. And I mean, the hits just keep coming. It's just yeah. such a beautiful passage, verse 27, peace I leave with you. Mm-hmm. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. That's mm. so good.
0: I love that. that. If I had to pick my favorite verse out of oh, all our the passages that we're yeah. covering today, it would be that one. Yeah, That is the passage I write in a card. I text to people when they tell me, like something really hard has happened in their life. Because I would say the first thing that we want is peace. Cause our stomachs are churning, our lives are right. like upside down. Yeah. And I feel like, yeah, we want other things, but the very first thing we need is peace because we don't have it. And so Jesus is saying, I'm giving that to you in a way that that is the world, sort of unfathomable. The world can't understand it or give it to you. Passes understanding. Yes. That's right, yeah. Yes, don't let your hearts be troubled or fearful. And just like the study that's coming up, you know, like, don't fear. This passage just gives us everything that we need. Because I think the biggest things we need, this whole section in suffering, I would say our peace is the first thing. Then we need hope. And hope is looking at what we can't see. That's and trusting right. that it's happening, you know, hope that is seen is not hope. So that's it's right. just what we can't see. And this passage is really talking about that when he says, "I've told you now before it happens. So when it does happen, you may believe." And so it's like you have to hope now, but when you see it, it's going to become joy. And that's what that's I love right. about sort of that's the third thing we need in suffering is joy. Yeah, and it's it's like we get peace, then we hope. We have hope because of who God is,
1: and He brings joy. And yes. So, yes. Yes. I just
0: love, love, love
1: that. Oh, that's so good. Now, I'm skipping ahead, and we'll come back to John 15, because I, I want to touch on John 15. But when you are talking about joy, it, it takes me to John 16, which we will also read this week. It's going to be on, let's see, that's Friday's. Reading and you guys are going to read this and it's just so good. I'm so excited for you to read all of this. But this concept of like, you're, this is going to be hard. I'm going to leave. And he's trying to tell them what's going to happen, but they don't fully understand what's going to happen. And, and he says, true, this is John 16, verse 20. Truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn, but the world will rejoice. You will become sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn to joy. And then there's this image of giving birth. When a woman is in labor, she's in pain because she has pain because her time has come. But when she has given birth to a child, she no longer remembers the suffering because of the joy that a person has been born into the world. So you also have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy from you. Yeah, this uh-huh. reminds me of Anne was saying last week. She talked about being soul safe. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't say to your friend, "It's all going to be okay," mm-hmm. meaning this this suffering is going to end. Mm-hmm. You know, you are going to get the the end of this the earthly story that that you want. But what you can say is, you will be. With Jesus again, and your soul is safe Yes, with your Savior, and no one can take the joy that that knowledge brings and that that reality brings, no one can take that away.
0: Yes. Yeah. yeah. I love that. This analogy is amazing in that you think about, I, I actually have had three C-sections, so I, I did not have to go through natural childbirth, but from yeah. what I understand, it is <laughs> incredibly all-consuming. Yeah. And so you can't really think about anything else. And so, but you do know that there is something coming. Even in the midst when it's so hard, you know something amazing is coming in the midst of it. And I think that's so much like suffering. Like, it's Mm -hmm. so hard. And sometimes you cannot think of anything else. But... You realize, like Romans talks about, our sufferings of the present time are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed to us. So the That's joy right. that what is about to happen at the end of our suffering is yeah. so incredible. And yeah, I, I so agree that it, we can't promise it's going to happen in this life. For a lot of people it does, and it may, but for everyone it's a blood-bought promise
1: that it will happen. Mm, that's good. Yeah. That's right. It will. Mm-hmm. And, you know, these are the things that Jesus is telling them because he knows that he's about to leave. Mm-hmm. And um and he knows that I mean, you know, they're going to all you know, you, you mentioned Peter and then Peter's denial, kind of his story sort of woven through this. Like they're, they're going to scatter. They're going to leave and he, they're going to be, and it's because they're terrified. They're mm-hmm. scared. I mean, the, Jesus is going to be hauled off and put to death. And so, of course, as his right hand men, you know, their lives are also under threat. And so, and, and not only that, they're losing their teacher, their friend the one that they have come to believe is the Son of God. And so there's going to be a lot wrapped up in that. There's going to be sorrow. There's going to be fear. There's going to be doubt. Mm-hmm. You know, Thomas is going to, we're going to, you know, we'll read about that later. But it's going to, there are going to be a lot of emotions at play. And he's trying to set them up for this. He's trying to prepare them to just to just hang on and to know what is true in spite of all of those things and he even tells them, in the, previous to this in John 16, I've told you these things to keep you from stumbling. They will ban you from the synagogues. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering service to God. Like, this is, ser- this is sobering, serious stuff. They will do these things, verse 3, because they haven't known the Father or me. But I have told you these things Mm -hmm. so that when their time comes, you will remember I told them to you. I didn't tell you these from the beginning. I was with you. You weren't ready. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Now I'm just starting to fast forward and paraphrase. But this, Vanitha, here's where I was trying to get to. Talk to me about this verse. Mm -hmm. It is for your benefit that I go away, because if I don't go away, (laughs) the counselor will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. He will guide and then in verse 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Like oh. how what what must they have thought? It's for our good that you're going away. Yeah,
0: I know. It's crazy. And the crazy, amazing part of it is, yeah, that it's better to have the Holy Spirit than to have been with. Jesus walking on the earth. I mean, that's what he's saying is, you know, you're with yeah. me now, but it's going to be even better. And to wrap our minds around that is amazing. And I, I think
1: and we really I, hard. Yeah. Like, I it, don't want that. I want to be see him face to face if I I'm know. being like completely honest. Right. And I don't feel like we,
0: meaning me, really understand all that I have with the Holy Spirit living in me. Like, I think I take that for granted. And mm-hmm. it's really sometimes just in the worst suffering that I feel close to God because I call on Him. But realizing, yeah. like, Jesus is here with us all the time. And and the yeah. Holy Spirit lives in us, and He's teaching us. And do we open our eyes and ears to listen? Because He's telling us truth. And That's He's right. speaking to us, and He is— Guiding us, but I think sometimes we're not listening.
1: Yeah. Oh, I mean, I can speak mm. for myself and mm. tell you that sometimes I am not listening, friends. You're we didn't read from it, but you're going. You, you definitely are not going to want to skip John fifteen. Mm-hmm. You've it's probably a passage that you've read before um, about the vine and the in ver- the branches. We get the seventh and final I am statement from Jesus in that chapter where he says, "I am the true vine." and my father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes, and he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me, and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches." So this, you know, we talked a little bit last week about abiding and like making our home in God's Word, making our home in the way of Jesus. And a lot of what we've talked about, even today, Vanitha, has been, feels like a tall order to like keep a kingdom perspective when we're suffering, to keep a kingdom perspective when we are afraid, to believe that Jesus is coming back and that we will be with Him. Um And to love, to love others as he has loved us. Like you just confessed how that's like the tallest order, right? And I mean, I agree with you. I'm really bad at it a lot of the time. But whenever we feel that overwhelm of like, why? And even when we're not feeling the overwhelm, (laughs) the how of that, I think so much of that is laid out for us in John 15, Yes, that the Spirit is a reality, the Holy Spirit, that we are grafted into the vine, and that Jesus remains in us, and we remain in Him. And that is, you know, if we if we are wondering how we can even, how we can live this Christian life, or maybe we're wondering how we can even live this day as a believer, it is because we are grafted into the vine. We're not our own source. Mm-hmm. We are grafted into the source. I know we're running out of time, but there's, I really loved how this week's reading ended, Vanitha, there at the end of of chapter 16. Mm. I'd love for you to read it for us, but it's just kind of this moment here where let's cheat and see what's happening at the beginning of 17. Yeah. Okay. So it's where Jesus, and next week on on Monday we'll read where Jesus prays for himself, for the disciples, for all believers. You know, he's just walking toward. He's going to be betrayed. Like we're getting right on the cusp now of um, of the crucifixion, his of Jesus trial and and crucifixion. But read for us what what he says here to his disciples at the end of of sixteen um, verses thirty one through
0: thirty three. Oh. I love these verses. Jesus responded to them Do you now believe? Indeed, an hour is coming and has come when each of you will be scattered to his own home and you will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world. Be courageous. I have conquered the world. That's the word of the Lord. Yes. Amen. Uh, Yeah. Do we have time for me to tell a little story with that? If we don't, I won't. Absolutely. Yeah. No, don't go for it. Well, one of the hardest times in my life was several years ago, my ex-husband had left our family. My kids were rebelling. My body was falling apart, and I was really desperate. Like, I didn't even know how to find joy or hope or anything. Yeah. And some friends were listening to me, and I was crying so hard I couldn't even speak. And this one friend said to me, listening to your story, I picture the disciples at the foot of the cross. They're terrified. Like, their dreams are dead. Everything they ever hoped for is gone. This is the darkest day they have ever known. Yeah. But what they don't know is that Easter is coming. That's right. And those words, Easter is coming, just so reshaped me, Amanda, just so deeply that, wow, just like these disciples, when he says, the hour is coming when you will come each to your own home, you will have suffering. But I have overcome the world. I have yes. conquered the world. like Easter is coming. Hang on, And for all of us, wherever we are, Easter is coming, and that is what Jesus is telling them way before He dies, is, hang on, be courageous. I have conquered the world.
1: Yes, amen. Friends, you are going to be so encouraged, I think, by this week's reading. there's so much in these chapters. That really just speaks directly to our hearts as believers. I mean, Jesus is talking to his disciples, um, but these promises that he gives about the Holy Spirit—they're for us too, and it's that's a reality um, for us too. And you know, be courageous. I've conquered the world. He knows that he's on the way to his death, and he knows. That Easter is coming. It's just exactly what you said, Vanita. Thank you for reading these words with us today. It is um, you've blessed me in sharing your honesty is such a gift. Thank you for that. Um, and I know that that is a mark of your ministry is that you kind of you know live live your life so that others can can see the work that God is doing in your heart and your mind and your body and and I'm grateful. It's it's a blessing. And we often, usually at the end of our episodes, we will do a segment we call Beauty, Goodness, and Truth. And we are a little short on time, but also, that's what you just gave us. <laughs> and so I thank you for sharing that, that story with us. Friends, keep reading. It's going to be such a sweet week of reading. And then next week, we will conclude the Gospel of John. That's going to be a really great ending, I think, to what has been Um, Just a really rich uh, series of reading together. So until next week, Vanitha, what do we tell our friends? Keep opening your Bibles.